it's just me and Justin. Justin's here, of course. Uh, we're doing this on a Friday night. Friday night. On High School Football Night of America. Like, I forgot that high school football was happening until uh, I was driving home and uh, there was just like a large crowd at Rynearson. And I'm like, what the heck? You guys have football? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's a high school football game going on. And I forgot that there was high school football played at Rynearson. And no, Who's that's not Ryan a joke. Tonight? No, that's not a joke on how Eastern's offense is going. Stop it. Get that out of your heads right now. <laughs> but yeah, no, I forgot that high school football was played uh, on the gray turf. What a, what an amazing feat for these youngsters. I tell you. Who who was who do you know who was playing? Nope. Nope, I have no idea. I played on the it wasn't great when I played there, but I played at Ryanerson once. Many moons ago, two thousand nine. What do you remember about that? What do you what do you remember about just like that whole experience? What locker room were well, you we, <clears throat> Um we were in the home locker room. Um and it was it was pretty cool because our uh, our JV coach and strength and conditioning coach uh, used to play baseball at EMU. So he had like a picture um, in there. Like, uh, I don't think he was in like the Hall of Fame or anything like that, but like he had broken some records or whatever. Um, so he was, his picture, that was pretty cool. So we got to trot out there and get our asses kicked by Ann Arbor Pioneer. The reason we played there is because our um, our football field had been like condemned, like as unsafe for um, people to like come to the game. So instead of playing in an empty stadium, um, Eastern was nice enough to hook us up. And, and you, so that and you did cool. what instead? Played like, in front of an empty stadium? We played in front of a mostly empty stadium. Um, but And, and it, a, a much lighter crowd. So we probably would have been better off just playing at home on the grass. But it was a really cool experience. Ryderson's really fun. And uh, I mean, what wasn't cool was like learning how much slower I was than the kids who played at Pioneer. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's always a fun reality when... Uh... When you're just not nearly as good as the guys in front of you, um, yeah, you you learn a lot. We talked a little bit like before we got online here about uh, like making the right reads and things like that. I remember watching film of that game going because I was a junior, and we were in the off season. We were watching film of that game. I remember my coach being like, "You hit a hundred percent of your reads. That dude was just so much fucking faster than you." Like I was playing free safety and I took the exact right route. He's like, "Yeah, against a lot of teams, you probably get a tackle here, but this quarterback was like their quarterback was purposely like not reading properly because he just ran right by us." Well, you know what? You should have walked on uh, at a Mac school. You should have walked on at Western. If you're gonna make a hundred percent of your reads, I mean, I'm sure they'll take you, right? No, I would have. I would have been murdered. <laughs> Did you play all four years? Of high school? Uh, no, I was a soccer player for like through JV and then decided to play football for whatever reason. So they needed a defensive back. Football coach asked me to come try out for some seven on sevens. And I had a blast. So I converted. It's Friday night. Week four is literally hours away. Uh, tomorrow, even. We don't have to do the whole what happened last week, what's going to happen this week sort of deal. We can kind of like keep this loose, kind of keep this, you know, shorter, a little bit more fun. Uh, But we also don't need to hit on every little detail. I think a good way of doing this episode and the way that we're going to do it, because we agreed to hours ago via DMs, uh, just kind of go like kind of team by team. And we're going to say Team X, something I already knew about them is this. And then here's something I've learned about them this year. Uh, because, you know, we, we like to talk about, 
you know, what we already knew about these teams. Uh, some more obvious than others, depending on what we're talking about, where at. Some things that we still, like, are on the fence about, still trying to learn about. Some questions that we still have three games in, you're definitely going to have those who isn't. But we've definitely learned a lot about these Max teams, Mac teams in these three weeks. Teams Mac. Justin, why don't you go ahead and lead us off? Well, I want to start with this because I told you there was a stat I stumbled across that, uh, not really a stat, but like a ranking about Kent State. And I'm we're, giving we're, away we're the answer here. already off to like the best start. People are like, you know, here definitely for for this. Like we want to know what's going on with Kent State. The, the, yeah. the hottest team in the MAC. Everybody's wondering it. Uh, here's the thing about Kent State. We all expected them to struggle. So the thing I knew is they would struggle. And, oh, boy, they are struggling. However, I was shocked to learn that there are only five teams in the MAC in S&P Plus defense that rank inside the top 100. Kent State is one of them. Huh? Kent State comes in at 83. It's the Big fourth fella. best defense in the entire conference. Big fella. It ranks... Just ahead of EMU, can you name the three teams in front of them? You probably can. I, you know what? No, just go ahead. Just, just do it. I'm not. Even, I'm not going to play this game. Go ahead. Ohio, Ohio leads the way at 65. Uh, UT at 68. Miami at 79. Then Kent State at 83. EMU at 96. The remaining teams all rank uh, in the triple digits. Um, so there, it was not something I expected to find, considering how they were struggling. So that's the thing I learned about Kent State that this might be a pretty solid defensive squad. They SP plus is opponent adjusted play by play data. And so the fact that they've played a really, really tough schedule means that there's a possibility Kent state's going to be in some of these games when they get to Mac play. And that's good. That's good. I, I, and like, that's kind of where I expected, you know, things to kind of like pull through for Kent state, like on, on which side of the ball, like what was going to hit quicker. I thought maybe the defense, just like the way like portaling works. I thought defense would be like, the quicker way of like having a sound team and then like finding the offense later. And I think that's still like going to be the way it goes too. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, hear that, you know, the defense isn't, you know, really getting embarrassed before it gets better. You know, it's, it's doing pretty good, pretty good from the start. That's good to see. Great development for Kenny Burns first year. Big fella. So here's, Here's the thing about the Miami Red Hawks, the actual East team that everybody loves to hear. Oh, damn it. Good thing Caleb's not here. He's out doing high school football stuff. We already knew that Miami had the goods for a MAC title run. I don't think anybody here is surprised to hear that Miami's doing good generally. But I didn't realize that at how surprised I would be to know that for the first time in my life, essentially, as an adult, at least, Miami is 2-1 and one in non-conference play. Make no joke about that, because do you know the last time that happened, Justin? Was it like 20 years ago? Was it, Ben Roethlisberger the quarterback? It was exactly 20 years ago with Ben Roethlisberger. Think about all the things that have happened in this conference since that moment in time. Let it wash over you and then consider for a second. Did you see they uh they took the victory bell and they just like went downtown with it <laughs> when they got back to Oxford? Good. It's like dumped out they like That's dumped exactly out outside the bars do. and stuff. Like, they just you know, they parked the bus. 
right <laughs> right out there and just got off and started celebrating. I I think you and I have been pretty harsh on like just generally Chuck Martin, just generally. Like I don't know how much appreciation um not to say that like he did he did so great in his first 5 years there anyways. Um but I don't know if we really appreciated how freaking tough it is at Miami to be finally two and one in non-conference play. Let me hold on. Let, let, let's say this. I said two and one in non-conference play. Do you know the last time Miami started two and one? Just two and one. Just two and one on the season. First three games, two and one record. Which is not the same as three non-conference games. Um, it would have had to been. Was it like twelve years ago? Back when they used to play like MAC games in week two or something like that. Very very close, and that's exactly what happened in two thousand and ten. Both of these times, both of these times, two thousand and three, two thousand and ten. What did they have in common? They won a MAC title. They won a MAC title, Justin. It was written in the stars. It is written in the stars that this Miami team has the goods. And it is proof. It is proven because they have a two and one record in non-conference play. And that that, you know, I'm I'm not joking, man. That is a good ass job. That was tough as hell to do. And my Miami is a tough school to recruit to, but it seems like Chuck Martin has Figured out some things in the transfer portal era, finally. Like, it took a few years for him because there's admission stuff that you have to deal with at Miami as opposed to, like, name your max school here. I don't know, man. I, I love the way Miami's going. And, like, if you are if you were someone that absolutely did want to bank on year four of Brett Gabbert plus year 10 of Chuck Martin, hey, man. I really like the size of your ticket right now. You are you got some winnings coming. It's written in the stars, as Justin said. You remember like the the um, the whole thing with them was they couldn't win close games. Like that was the big Chuck Martin thing. The like the opposite they, of Chris Creighton. The last time that well, they had though, you know a chance to beat Cincinnati, uh, that was when they called they like called that play action pass out of the end zone and Gus Raglan like threw that pick six and they, they really. It was something with like a minute and a half to go or something like that. They were complete control. And it really felt like as Cincinnati kind of came on the rise, like it felt like that might literally be the last opportunity they would ever have to beat that team. And now here they are in in the closest of close games going to overtime. And they were kind of in complete control after the first quarter all the way through. And they they threatened to slip up and then just didn't (laughs) like it. it, You expected them to lose that game. They don't. And I don't know how much of like a corner turn there is. Like, I don't think there's something like here they come, like they're going to win 10 games or anything like that. But I mean, shit, they could. No, I I think (laughs) a corner turn for them is like not just winning 10 games, but like putting up points, like consistently like 35, 35, 35. You know, because shout out to Brett Gebert. Did you know he could run the ball like that? Like, did you, did you see how, like how tough he was? I mean, I don't know if he can sustain it for 12 games. I'm worried about him getting hurt. Um, he was shaken up on, on. He tried to like dive for the pylon in this game, and like got knocked out of bounds. I don't think he set out any plays after it. Um, or maybe Avion Smith came in for one play or two, but like, I didn't know he could run like that. 
He's, I'm proud of him. He's, he's a born badass. What can I say? That's right. I guess we can talk about Western Michigan. I knew they would struggle on defense. That's one thing I knew about this team. Uh, and they are. They're 116th in SP+. Plus. Where I thought there would be a silver lining is they had eight, rest- eight returning starters coming back on offense. And I thought that some of the, you know, I guess the limited press on how their offense was going to play was overlooking the fact that they had a lot of contributors back. They got a breakout game from Jalen Buckley in week one. It kind of looked like they had found a, a solution at running back. He had a long touchdown against Syracuse. He's been a little quiet since then. I didn't know they would struggle as much. I thought they would have a solution at quarterback. They went and got Hayden Wolf in the transfer portal. I thought for sure that this team had finally figured out the position. And now they're doing this weird shit with it's like quarterback by committee. All three quarterbacks have played this year. It's just, it's this, it's in the same position it was last year, right? Like, and they lost two of their main contributors who are now starters at Minnesota, who are main contributors there. And like, yeah, I mean, it turns out all the press was correct. Like, this offense is just going to struggle. Maybe with the new offense, it'll improve over the course of the year, but they do need to just pick a quarterback and freaking stick with it um, and just let it ride. Because right now, the team just can't maintain any energy. You know, they threw a deep touchdown pass against Iowa, and I think, like, the next series, Jack Salopet came in in for Trayson Borke, and it was like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Um, so that's something I'm keeping my eye on to see if they just name a starter and run with it because it, it seems like they've got to stop messing around with that. Uh, what What is the deal with Hayden Wolf? Is he just like not – is he hurt or is he just not good enough for QB1 right now? Is he? I, I, what's the deal? I wish I could tell you. Um, I mean, looking at – he had good tape it seemed like like he played really well at ODU yeah. or at least you know better than any of the quarterbacks WBU had on the roster it's important to note that the rest of the quarterbacks are very young too so like even in the case of Trayson Borgay looks like you know he seems to look the part he seems to have the desire to go downfield and maybe that's what makes it so Wolf struggles and where Salopec struggles there's only one guy that really wants to drive the ball vertically which you have to you have to do um but he just isn't you know he threw the deep touchdown pass, but other than that, you know, Borgay is not that great at it because he's a redshirt freshman. And Jax Alpec was a redshirt freshman last year. These are young guys. Um, you'd like to see some of it pan out right away, but like it's just gonna take more time. And the the portal probably, you know, wasn't the solution for them this year, but it might have to be going forward. Uh, do you feel good about it going into well, all right, you know what? What is the spread for the Toledo game? Let's just say it. What what what's the spread? Uh, do, 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 do. The spread is got to be like at least twenty one and a half. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I smell. Points. That sounds right. I smell points. I don't know that WMU can score, and you know they got they're not getting a. They played one of the best defenses in the country last week, and they're playing a. 65 or whatever defense this week like it they're not gonna it's not gonna get any easier right is my point and until wmu can prove it can score points because the one thing i will say about the defense is that it is a lou esposito defense is going to promise you one thing and it's that it's going to get into the backfield and create havoc it's going to force teams occasionally into throws they don't want to make 
And if they can create turnovers, they can be kind of dangerous. And they did. They create. They had two interceptions of Cade McNamara, including on the first series of the game. The defense, while not good efficiency-wise, is sort of holding up the end of its bar. Its end of the bargain, uh, considering like who came back and who left. It, it's really just doing the best it can with the personnel it has. And if the offense could wake up at all, I'd feel a lot better. But it just it remains to be seen. I think I'm just going to go with Toledo just from that. Um, something that I knew about Toledo is that uh, things weren't going to be perfect, but I still really like what they have out there. Just generally speaking, still great talent. Uh, no, unless, unless I'm like very stupid right now, uh, no major injuries that I know about. Um, all their key players are like still doing their thing. Um, you know, and like, they're not, I don't expect Daquan Finn to just have great quarterbacking games all the time, um, which is definitely where he came up short in the San Jose State game. Just not a great day throwing the ball. Just like a really, really tight game. But something I learned, they can win some ugly games apparently because they won that San Jose State game. Like they probably should not have won that one. But they did. And they really needed to. And that was big for them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Toledo, you have to win... I don't know. Let's see. What's your schedule look like? How many more ugly games do you have coming up? Uh, Western, easy game. Uh, NIU, NIU might be might be fine. Miami, Buffalo, Eastern, those things all could get ugly. You got you got to learn how to win the ugly games, uh, and you have them coming up. You don't have really any more. I don't expect on the horizon. The next five games look should look pretty good for Toledo. But if you remember how to win these ugly ones, that's definitely going to help you out on the back end. And it's something that was like missing, you know, after like, you know, you started out the season with a two point loss at Illinois where you probably should have won. You should have finished it somehow. You got to know how to close out these these ugly finishing, these ugly ass looking games. Yeah, there's they still have that little Toledo streak about them, though. They did muff up on. Uh, late in the game against San Jose State, they finally like had kind of regained control, and it's like, all right, they're gonna they were gonna receive a punt at midfield and like put the game away, and then they let San Jose State right back in. Now they closed it out, which is very untoledo of them. However, um, you know, I'm glad they I'm glad they pulled out the win, but the, there's still a little bit of that in them, and they could slip up. Um, I. Yeah, I but, knew the that point, defense but the point be... is that like it was an ugly game. They won, and they know how to win ugly. That's right, and you have to do that. I mean, I think they kind of proved that in the MAC title game last year too. Is that was a probably one of the worst MAC title games I've ever watched. <laughs> but I did not enjoy that. It, no, Just... I had I had no fun at all. No, it was it, it was fun being in Fort Field though. It's a, it's such a sweet venue, especially that time of year. Oh, we're going to again. come in yeah. and get a little warm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Probably for a Toledo and Ohio rematch, I'm assuming. Oh, did you? Let's see if everyone. We haven't can even say talked healthy. about Ohio. I already talked about the MAC East champions. That's right. There's a new favorite in town. It's a pretty good pivot to Ohio. But I do want to shout out uh, Terrence Taylor for uh, defensive end at Toledo. Like I knew their defense would be good. I knew they were replacing a lot in the front seven. They seem to have replaced it. They should be 3-0. Terrence Taylor got into Luke Altmaier's face in that Illinois game and almost like single-handedly won it by putting some nasty-ass spin moves on that right uh, yeah, right tackle. And uh, he almost sealed the game for them. It's a team, in my eyes, that should be 3-0. But, um, you know, 
it's the way things go. Ohio. I'm not sure what I can say that I knew about them that I didn't already know. I've really only learned things about them. And I've learned that, first of all, absent Curtis Rourke, they're not great on offense. And even with Curtis Rourke, there's, there's, it's also not great. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not smart enough to diagnose exactly why they've played some tough defenses. So things should lighten up a little bit for them. Um, Jacoby Jones was hurt early in the season too. Um, so they're getting some weapons back. Um, I guess the thing I knew about them is that Sam Wiggles is going to be really good and always open. And that's still true. Um, I learned that their defense is not a fluke. Um, they, the beginning of last year, their defense was bad, just like straight up bad. They, had a good early showing against Penn State and then kind of faded through the early parts of the season. And then the defense started clicking at the same time that Curtis Rourke started clicking, and that's where all the magic happened. And I thought, okay, did they get better just because the schedule lightened up, or were they actually good? I think we got their, our answer to these first uh, four games for them, is that the defense is good. It's the best defense in the MAC. It's on par with Toledo. And like that is, I think, going to be enough that it's going to buy them a lot of time to figure shit out on offense. Like they're not going to lose games. They play Bowling Green this week. I expect them to win. And one of the reasons they'll win, even if they keep struggling on offense is because like, I don't know who's going to move the ball on them. It's almost like not that I don't like, I don't like getting lost too much in the future, but here I am again, doing that again. Uh, That's almost a little bit more encouraging. Like if you imagine Ohio football, in 2024 knowing that the defense right now is off to like the start that it's at not just the start that it's at but like it's really really just like held the rope from like what the 2022 team left behind too like the 2022 team like that second half of the year man they kicked so much fucking ass dude like they were really good like i really really loved how much of a corner or maybe not a corner but just like a longer stride they were just like pacing with and this defense right now ain't slowing down it ain't slowing down and like with all the attention that it has for Curtis Rourke who like if there's one thing that we know about college football players is that they don't always stay on the rosters at some point it might be it might even be like nine years later like Kyle Pugh but at some point they will graduate or leave or something and he will be gone at some point but that defense man if like they still like keep over a culture of like having a great defense with like an offensive mind at the head at the head coaching spot where I trust him to like put like a good game plan together and like they're recruiting still really well probably a little bit better than what they have in years past I don't know man I really like the way Ohio's program is running you know the offense who knows what the scoreboard's are making us think right now with like how tough of defenses that they're facing off against. But Hey man, make no mistake that the defense is off to an incredible start and we're happy for them. Like that's going to be a huge part for them for not just the entire season, but probably just moving forward in general. Yeah. It's a like, lot like, 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 like the- NIU level, like we're, we're getting close to like NIU level of like the start of like what was to come right? Mm -hmm. It almost has that same feeling. It does. And it reminds me a bit of, I mean, like as a brand, the Mac is kind of like known for offenses, right? But you can have sustained success around these parts. 
with really good defenses. You mentioned NIU did it. Rod Carey basically sustained an entire coaching career by having really good defenses. That um, 2018 team that just like limped into the MAC title game with one of the worst NIU offenses. They got one good offensive game, but that they were fielding a Big Ten defense, and they. It, it's a pretty cool formula to have a defense like uh, the Dave Clawson teams had it too, where they, they didn't necessarily have to be that great on offense. Um, the mid 2010s Frank Solich teams had it as well. They went to a MAC title game in 2016 on the back of a really good defense. The 14 and 15 defenses were very good. And so for a good part of that decade, Ohio was kind of known uh, for being a good defensive team. And it seems to have gotten back to that. Um, and it's really fun to watch. Um, let's you want to talk about Bowling Green. Oh, no, I don't. I actually want to talk about Eastern Michigan uh, because I'm going to be honest. I don't have an opinion about Bowling Green right now. I really don't. I'm just going to be flat out. I don't. I just don't. Um, They've been competent. Yeah. They've been competent. Okay. But I didn't expect that. Yeah, like, I, I still don't think they're great by any stretch, but like they've looked... I expected them to be terrible, like among the worst in the conference. And they're very much not that like, that's pretty obvious. Like, it's it's not the, like the nicest thing I can say, but like they're, they're probably middle of the pack, which I is like light years better than I expected them to be. Uh, I'm just really quickly. Um, if PFF grades ranked all the defenses in the Mac, which it does, uh, here's how the defenses rank uh, total team. Uh, Toledo, far and away, number one, followed by Akron, NIU, Eastern, Miami, Bowling Green, seventh is Ohio, Western Michigan, Ball State, Buffalo, Central Kent. So, hey, don't mm-hmm. come, don't come for us. Just who is who's it that owns PFF? Chris Collinsworth is that who it is? Write him a letter. I, I guess. Write him a letter. Eastern Michigan, though, something that I already knew is that, you know, the defense was going to get after it and that I was going to, I was going to like what Eastern was going to do on its defense. I knew there was going to be changes, didn't know what, had a good feeling. But now that I see that the way it plays with, like, its odd front and, like, the way, like, it plays with its Leo character, just, like, hovering the heels of, like, the three defensive linemen that are down. Sometime he's down to make an even front. I don't know. I, I like the way that Eastern's defense changed, but like not totally a different character than like what we're used to. It's not like a whole makeover. It's just like a couple minor shifts here and there, a couple tweaks here and there. Uh, I don't know. I, I like the way that Eastern's defense looks schematically, and I like the way that it's a, been applying more pressure uh, to the early start of this season. Like there was really like no hits behind the line of scrimmage in like the first half of last season. Didn't know this offense was gonna be uh whatever it is. I I, I don't know. I don't know. It it's it's been really bad. Uh the quarterback play just hasn't been there. The offensive line not to full strength. So it's it was definitely gonna be tough with just two returners, two returning starters on the right side, and then left side through center be new faces or, you know, guys getting their first crack at it. 
I don't know, man. It, it, that was tough. That, it's it's just been tough to see like the offense just come on and off the field and have it be like fifty plays on offense, seventy five seventy five plays on defense, and then just not put up as many points as you should have, especially against Howard and UMass, especially against UMass. Like that's like helmet game alone. That's like one where like if you don't win by at least twenty eight, what are we doing here? I don't care how much we respect Don Brown. There's a court of public opinion that we're trying to win over. Yeah, I mean you said it. The uh, quarterback play is pretty much the long and short of it. Yeah, like um, this from College Football Data, their PPA metric. You look at quarterback efficiency um, in terms of PPA, which is their EPA calculation, uh, Austin Smith is third to last uh, in total um, efficiency per play. The only quarterbacks behind him are DJ Irons and um, Cole Snyder, actually. But Yikes. where it really stands out is Austin Smith's usage rate is the highest in the MAC. So he's being asked to do the most while being not all that efficient with it. Um, and that's what I call the Matt McDonald range. <laughs> um, it, it's not. You know, it's going to look good sometimes, but not, you know, it's not going to get the job done. They, he has to be better, um, but he can be better. Um, and that's going to be what, if you want to talk about EMU competing for a MAC title, like it's going to start and stop with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, pieces around, like it's still a good team through and through, you know, we'd see fewer cracks in the defense if they just like got off the field a little bit more. Um. And so I think that like moving forward, not that I think that Eastern was ever going to be like such a huge like up tempo team, um, but they're definitely going to be the types to like really milk the clock a little bit more, just to like you know lower the body count a little bit more on the defenses. You can't milk the clock in the factory. It's called stealing time, brother. Yeah, well, that's time theft. It's a union not job. Not in Chris Creighton's factory. Oh shit! It's college football. It's not a union job. Fuck. Not yet, brother. Let me tell you, not 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 to make this into this too much. Um, man, apparently attendance is down at the auto show by like close to forty percent because of the UAW strike. I'm sure it's not a coincidence. Like I'm sure, like all the timing. I just, I don't think anything's a coincidence that the UAW does. Like, it's kind of cool, actually. Mm-hmm. That's that's also uh, a thing that we need to say. Uh, the auto show, January, put it back in January. All right. If that's we're gonna have the fucking the Big Ten change all the fucking world, like all these other changes in the world, they suck. All right. One thing that changed that sucked is having the auto show in September. Put that shit back when snow's on the ground. All right. Get it out of football season. Couldn't agree more. That's going to be my old man take. You you just saw me wave my arms like an old man. I've never <laughs> done that before. Old man waves at Cloud. Says, bring auto show back to the winter. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, there's no hand signal for that. Like, I'm just, like, parting the fucking air. All right. Justin, how about well, you tell uh, me about Bowling Green? Oh, I mean, I said that all the things you said. They just look, oh, okay. you know, they look really they just look competent. I, I don't really, I can't put my finger on like exactly what it is. And if it's just like, 
like, I don't know if it's a situation that they just look more competent than some of the other teams because they have a, a long established coach, right? Like, is there room, like, are they still going to be worse than Kent State and Akron towards the end of the year? Um, cause those regimes are newer and growing and like, maybe like is Bowling Green. Cause like, let's assume that we're right about what we thought about Bowling Green preseason is that like, oh no, they're bad. They're just like, they're conducting business pretty well in the non-conference despite being one and two because like they're not going to trip up an fcs game because the waffler's been there for five years like they're just they're going to be ready to play those games they're going to know what they want to do there's no surprises for them internally i don't know um but it is encouraging like if you were worried about like all the waffler extension stuff it's got to be encouraging that they don't look terrible uh they turned jj mccarthy over three times um so like that's something, but uh, this seems to be a recurring theme with a lot of these MAC teams. Is they gotta score points, and I know I'm not gonna hold not scoring points against Michigan against them because most teams won't score many points against Michigan. But I could get my point. I know I couldn't. Like <laughs> that's very I, true. If I had ten tries to score against Michigan, no, I wouldn't. Probably negative one times. So Central Michigan, talking about disappointing offensive performances. Ooh. I don't know what I knew about this team. There's a lot of things I thought I knew. I thought the defense would be a little bit better. It's, I guess, kind of stingy. We'd respect the I, defense, right? We knew we would respect them. And I, I don't, I, I don't know, man. I, yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, like, do we know anything about this team other than they're probably going to get spanked by South Alabama this week? They're still coached by Jim McElwain, right? Yep. That's about all I know. I do wonder if. Because I do expect them to go to one and three. I do wonder if they they limp out of this non-conference play. Let's say they like lose to Western and Eastern or something going through. Like, how much value do you put on a like worst to first division title in 2019, mm-hmm. which was an eternity ago at this point? Mm-hmm. Like, like when does it wear off and they start thinking like shit? Maybe we didn't like hit the home run we thought we did because it really seemed like they had pulled off a coup a little bit in getting a, a coach who had, you know, I get they had, it had issues at Florida and things like that. And he went to a bunch of SEC titles, but it was in a weaker division back then. Georgia hadn't arrived, blah, blah, blah. But he was a very, very good G5 coach at Colorado State. There's enough there to, I know I have been just assuming that like Central was going to rise again because. Like, why wouldn't they? they? They had one of the better coaches in the MAC, and now I'm not so sure of that. Like, something feels rotten there. They're not getting the production out of Burton Manual that you probably thought they were going to get. And they just seem to be falling behind a little bit. Um, They're definitely going fan into hat, mode. Love, but like, um, but like uh, objectively it's like ew like what the hell's going on because it is a school that like fancies itself as being like one of the haves in the conference it has it, it has the money to spend it has the resources it's you know it's not regarded as someone with bad facilities or anything like that it recruits still pretty well but it's just not coming together and it's like at some point if you feel like the roster is good and a lot of people thought it was for the last couple of years and it's not they're not winning like if it wasn't Jim McElwain, like if it wasn't Jim McElwain, and it was at any other of these schools, you'd be like, "Yeah, it's time to go." I mean, we're three games into a young season, so it's like, 
who knows how it's going to turn out, but like, it's, it's got to not feel great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know how much, like a lot, most of us out here have no idea what his health concerns were either are. And so that has to have played a, a factor for the decision makers, you know, at some points. I don't know how much that's a factor now. I don't really know. Um, I don't know. It, it just, it does look bad. I don't know. It seems like you want like a good looking like Central Michigan out there though. You, you seem really upset about the whole situation. Did something change over the last two episodes? No, I mean, this is fantastic. I mean, I hope they never make a bowl game again making, and I'm sink into sure. obscurity. But like, yeah, but like I, I objective observer. I, I yeah. Yeah, I it would... I. Listen, I would relish it a little bit more if my team wasn't also ass um, at, at the present. So I guess I just got to hang tight until I can talk a lot of shit again. I think we have time for one more. Do you want to talk about NIU because they didn't beat a Big Ten team and we're mad at them for it? Yeah, we have to talk about NIU. The So... What I thought I what I thought I knew about this team was that the defense couldn't get worse, and I guess in, technically it hasn't. It has been I think like the lone bright spot. It's got to be the worst NIU offense since 2018. Like I've, I'm learning like there's limits to Rocky Lombardi's influence over what's happening here. That and that's sad um, to report, listener. I, no, I just wanted to. I just wanted to. Yeah. Just wanted to join you back. Yeah, man, that sucks. Yeah, it's because uh, for for me, like the way I had evaluated this team was just like, yeah, on paper it looks bad, but it looked bad two years ago too. And when Rocky Lombardi played, this team could beat anybody and light them up, and they just don't anymore. And like, I don't know exactly what to blame it on, but it, it seems it, like, I don't know, it just concerns me that they, they can't get the ball moving. And they... They have the Boston College win, but like Boston College is the worst team that they've played this year. Like full stop. There's a lot of teams in the MAC that should or expect to beat Boston College. Mm. Knowing what we know now, we didn't know that then, but like, although they did almost beat Florida State, so maybe it is, maybe there's something there, but. Well, maybe it, you should have listened to me and not watched it in the first place. I don't know. It's, it's a good point. Because then I wouldn't have uh, overvalued them, but uh, the Mac West doesn't look like it's going to be very entertaining at the top this year. Uh, hey, hey, friends! Uh, hope you're enjoying this episode of Mac Football Pod, uh, presented by me and Justin. Without Caleb, I hope you're having a good time because we're certainly having a good time talking about Mac Football with you. Uh, such a good time that we just we didn't want to do any homework. We just dove right into it, and we erroneously, uh, stupidly, regretfully, totally forgot that in prime time on the biggest of networks, the Big Ten Network, if you may, Akron will be at Indiana. There is one more Mac Big Ten game. Totally forgot about that. Um, I'm just going to be blunt. Uh, as bad as I feel about it, uh, I still don't. Yeah, Akron's not gonna beat Indiana. I mean, they could. That'd be sweet. Indiana's not the greatest team ever, so maybe. But 
yeah, Akron's not really coming into this game in the best shapes. So I'm just going to rule it out right now. I don't know. Sorry about that. But anyways, here's here's a list. 2006, Ohio beats Illinois. 2007, Western beats Iowa. Bowling Green beats Minnesota. 2008, busy ass here. Western beats Illinois. Central beats Indiana. Toledo beats Michigan. I was at that game. Ball State beats Indiana. 2009, the very next year. You're going to notice that's going to be a trend pretty soon. NIU beats Purdue. Central beats Michigan State. 2010, Toledo beats Purdue. NIU beats Minnesota. 11, Ball State over Indiana. Wasn't that at the at like Lucas Oil or something like that? Doesn't matter. Uh, I think you're right. 2012, Central Michigan beats Iowa. Ball State beats Indiana. Ohio beats Penn State. So good. 2013, NIU, two games. Purdue, Iowa, you're both taken down by NIU, of course. 2014, Bowling Green beats Indiana. NIU beats Northwestern. Central beats Purdue. 2015, Bowling Green, you get busy. You beat Purdue and Maryland. Yes, Maryland's in the Big Ten. Don't forget. Yeah, 2016. Matt Johnson was so good. Was such a good year, man. That was such a good year. 2016, Western Michigan, you get busy. You knock down both Illinois and Northwestern. 2017, EMU gets on the board beating Rutgers. NIU, you're back. You beat Nebraska, unlike in 2023. 2018, EMU beats Purdue. Akron beats Northwestern. Yep. And Buffalo beats Rutgers, an annual rivalry that absolutely should happen every year. 2019, EMU beats Purdue. 2020, we're not going to count that because it's COVID. 2021, Bowling Green beats Minnesota. 2022, Miami beats Northwestern. This year, yes, NIU did beat Boston College in the ACC. And yes, Ohio beat Iowa State. And yes, Miami did beat Cincinnati from the Big 12. But where's the Big Ten upset this year? We were robbed. We were robbed. 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 Hmm. I, I you. Guess God I, damn it, NIU. I'm so mad at you. So much cuss. I guess one of the reasons they haven't, like, I thought I'd see more like Twitter action about like the streak is finally over, but I guess you can't rule out a bowl game. That like. If someone in the Big Ten slips to the, uh, what is it still called the Quick Lane Bowl? It's definitely like, so that's probably the quick lane bowl. like like Michigan State could rally to six and six or something. It's not the same, and they could no. they could play. It's not the same, but it would I would count it. I mean, we'd all definitely remember it because we'd all watch it. But you know, these are the ones that we're looking for. Like these are the ones we're like, especially like. Like, both teams are mostly at full strength for the most part. That's time, true, and it's usually a road December game. rolls around, it's like, everybody's got finals. Game. Everybody cares about class. They need to pass Spanish, so they have to study more, so they might miss the bowl game. You know, normal stuff. Is there anything we want to say about Akron, Ball State, or Buffalo? Uh, Buffalo do better. Akron do better. Ball State? Ugh. You know what? Um, I think it's time for me to consider changing my mind about uh, Mike New being safe there. 
I think he's safe just because he's they're probably going to beat Western and Central. And then I don't know what their crossover games look like. I can take a peek real quick if we want to do the, uh, the schedule game. Um, did you play BG? And NIU doesn't look great. Like uh, There's no reason that can't be winnable. They do have Kent State. So like if they beat Bowling Green, Northern Illinois, Kent State, Western, and Central, which I don't think is a huge stretch. Like, he'll be okay. He's safe. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of these guys that, like, I don't think the conference is going to be this low forever. There's a lot of these guys who are, like, either they're going to, like, their teams will rise with the tide or they're going to be in big trouble. Like... Like, say NIU makes a coaching change and it works out. Say Kent State's recent hire worked out. Chuck Martin stays forever. Ohio stays good. Western gets better. Like, eventually, like, these guys will will have to figure something out. And boom goes the dynamite. 